Well, we are, we are definitely into the fall now. Kids are back to school. Football has started, a variety of other things. So when I, when I say the word team, notice I have many of the sports here on my, my tie. We have fall ball, we have soccer, football, whatever. When I say the word team, what are some things that come to your mind? You can just shout it out. The Eagles, okay, but what, what, what does a team look like? What does a team do? How do you describe a team? If, if a guy from Mars showed up on Earth, what? No I in team, that's right, there's no I in team. There's just me, right? <laughs> Unity, right, common purpose, that's right. Communication, right? So we're all generally familiar with the idea of team. So when I say the word team, we have a variety of experiences that we've had for that over the years coaches that we'd like to really appreciate or never try to remember again, uh, teammates who we definitely had I in the middle of their name, or other experiences, championships, many of the, we have trophies, we used to have these things, trophies we used to get for winning teams, not for every team. Um, we've had different things that happened in our culture. Um, but teams is an idea, right? It's something we understand. And so if you talk to somebody just down the street here, there's people that are practicing, if we talk to them, hey, you know, I want to I learn about your team, we already have an idea what that means. Now let me ask you a different question. When I say the word church, what comes to your mind? Don't answer that just yet. Or what comes to your neighbor's mind? What comes to your siblings who maybe have never been inside a church before mine? Church is a very loaded word. Team, yeah, we can get upset about it, but at the end of the day, there is a unity, there's communication, there's sense of purpose that a team has. When we talk about a church, though, we have a variety of things that come to our mind. Um, mixture. In fact, next Sunday is National Back to Church Sunday, an effort coordinated by over 20,000 churches across denominations. And what they, the objective is is to see who people who've never been back to church to encourage them to do so. Research shows that at this point in time, roughly about a third of our population says that they attend church once a week. That means there's two-thirds of the people in our community who aren't in any church right now at this time. And there's ideas that they have about church and about church membership and about things like that that are in there. So what we're here to do today is to be able to answer some of those questions for us and say, Hope Community Church, what does that look like? When we look at the scriptures and we see the scriptures that Jeff walked us through last week in Acts 2, we're looking Philippians 2 today. What does a church look like? So that's what I want to do today. So just to review from last week, the purpose of a spiritual family is to show Jesus to the world. And as I mentioned, Jeff walked us through Hope's vision statement. And we hope that that's been your prayer. We hope that this has been a caring place where God transforms lives. We hope and pray that you've been part of a group of people who are united in our beliefs and who take care of each other in practical ways. So what I want to do today is say Christian community or church is based on what? Well, the first thing it's based on is love and unity, as, as, as Eugenia talked about unity. And there's a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer who wrote a book called Life Together. And I'm not going to get into all his story right now. It's a wonderful story. Um, sad story, actually. But he has this quote. We're going to have a couple of quotes from him here today, and I'd like to bring one up. It said, it is by grace of God that a congregation or a church is, is permitted to gather visibly in this world to share God's word and, and the sacraments. So we can see in Scripture that the church is characterized by love and unity. Those are the two words that we're going to look at. And you remember Jesus, what did he say? That how would people know that we are his followers? By the way that we love one another. Right? And the way that we're unified together. 
Jesus also explained the same way that he and the Father and the Spirit are one. He had that same prayer for us, that we would be one as well. And that's what unifies us. So what I'd like to do at this time is I'd like to, we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 2. That's kind of a backdrop to our text. This is more of a topical message today. And I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 4. So Nathan, if you'd put that up there. Paul starts, he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being, what? United with Christ. If any comfort from what? His love. If any common sharing in the Spirit. If any tenderness and compassion. Then make my joy complete by being, what? Like-minded. Having the same love. Being one in Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interests of others. So what we want to do is kind of walk through five characteristics that we see here of a Christian community or a church. What do we want hope to look like? Well, the first one is focused on Jesus. And in fact, it's kind of the obvious one, right? At the end of the day, when somebody walks in this building, it's a church. One of the things that I would hope that they would make an association with, if I said the word church, is Jesus, right? I mean, we joke about it for the Sunday school class, right? Well, if you can't remember the answer to the question, you should at least try Jesus, right? And you got a good chance to get it right. So when somebody walks in these doors, they will not leave these doors without hearing the word of Jesus at least once. We are focused here on Jesus, okay? Now, the second one is Holy Spirit-led. If any common sharing in the Spirit it has in the text... We're led by God's Spirit. Now, we had the privilege yesterday of finally getting some rain, okay? Now, oftentimes what comes along with rain is some strong wind. So has anybody ever walked outside in a very strong wind? Yeah. And what, what happens? You're kind of pushed, right? And you have to work against that. So when you have come to faith and you have the Holy Spirit inside you, both as an individual and as a church, the Holy Spirit is often characterized like a wind, now, it's a wind that's inside, but it's a wind that's actually giving energy and direction to where we're headed, just like that strong wind. And that's our desire here as a church and also as individuals within this church. The third one is selfless to one another. Again, we saw in the, script, in the text here, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather than humility, value others above yourselves. Now, our church and all churches are designated to be a place where we're selfless towards one another. So what I want to do in a couple of these characteristics, I want to tell you some fun stories of Phyllis and I journey here at Hope. We've been here over 25 years at this church, and when our kids were younger, some of our younger kids, older kids were younger, um, they used to have women's retreats where the women would go off together, and at the women's retreats, people would actually donate a service, and then they would have a silent auction. Has anybody ever been to a silent auction before? Somebody you kind of write down, there's something up there, and you write down. Well, this one couple at our church had donated that they would watch your kids the entire weekend. Now, that's a big... Remember, what is this, what is this selfless to one another, okay? That alone, right? You've got to think, okay, so as you can imagine, this was a heavy bidding item. And Phyllis and I are very competitive people. So we were going to make sure that we got this item. And we bid, and, we, and she would call me, it's up to this. And I'm like, go, go, go. We had... <laughs> We had four kids at this time, okay, and many of them were very small, so, we, so needless to say, we got that item, <laughs> and we were very blessed by that weekend. Uh, we felt like we couldn't pay enough money for that. Now, those monies actually went towards missionaries, like Richard Cabazzi and uh, the other missionaries that our church supported. It was a wonderful thing. Now, what's interesting is, is that God 
You know, not only were we blessed by that family who did that, but remember, this is selfless to one another, right? So guess what happened the next year, okay? They donated that again. So we're like, Phyllis is like, yes, go, 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 go. <laughs> then Phyllis brought to my attention, she said, look, there's another family that we're kind of bidding against. Um, I think we can outbid them. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that they would really benefit from this. And so we willingly stood down our bidding. And they had that experience. It was a great experience. But this is what I'm talking about. So when we talk about what does selfless to one another look like in this church community, it talks about not only receiving from others who want to be selfless to you, but it's about thinking about because of what you've received, what are you going to do about it? And it was hard. I have to admit, it was hard. It was like, oh, we've got to find somebody else to watch the kids. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, we were really blessed by that. And um, you make choices, right? So the next one here is extraordinary things. We, we are selfless. We become ordinary people who do extraordinary things. We begin to meet the needs of others, as I mentioned, physically, emotionally, spiritually, through Christ. So let me tell you another story that exemplifies this. Over 20 years ago, um, we were a married couple. We've been married about three or four years, and we were about to have a child. And we thought, you know what? It'd probably be a good idea if we had some training in this because there's no, like, manuals. You, well, you can buy some stuff at the store, but it's, it's all over the place. So we asked a couple we saw who were raising their kids, and we liked kind of how their kids were turning out. We said, look, would you be willing to spend some time with us to do some pre-parental classes? Now, most churches, before you get married, because it's kind of a certificate, you have to go to pre-parental classes. I mean, uh, pre premarital classes, and many churches do that. But pre-parental classes was kind of a new idea. And so this couple was a little hesitant to do that. Um, but we asked them, and they were kind enough. And what they did is they invited us over to their house. She made a wonderful dinner. We sat down, and we asked them 101 questions. Like, all right, what do you do with this? And what do you do with this? And what do you do with this? And, of, of course, they're like, oh, slow down, slow down. We, we can't do all this in one week. So over the course of about four to six Sunday afternoons, we went over to their home. They made a meal for us, and we asked them questions about what it would like to be a parent. And they answered our questions. And they were very helpful because, um, you know, Phyllis and I both have our own ideas. We have our own family backgrounds, um, different ideas on maybe how to raise kids. And it was really helpful just to process that. So that was an extraordinary thing because you think about Sunday afternoons, most of us are just kind of spent from the week, right? So this husband had to go off work on Monday. Uh, the wife had to take care of the kids the next day. But they spent their Sunday afternoon uh, evening with us, equipping us to enter into parenthood. And I'm very grateful for that. So the next one is it shares the gospel. So in our relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And what we say here is when we share the gospel, we look for opportunities. That's really the idea here. We share God's story, the mindset of what he's done for us. And what I mean by being on the lookout for opportunities, um, I have the privilege and, and the pain of, for my job to travel. Um, how many of you have ever been on a plane before? And you usually have to sit next to somebody, right? And that's kind of one of your biggest either fears or, or great opportunities, right? Because this person next to you, you're like, oh my goodness, is he going to talk to me or not? You know, you, some people are just kind of, they get their book out, they put their head, it's very clear they don't want to be spoken to. Well, I just had an opportunity this past money, and there was a guy next to me, and um, he, you know, didn't have that look. I had some things I wanted to do just to make sure I was ready for today even. Had my little notes out and all set, but he's like, oh, I see you got that rugged cross ring on. What's that all about? 
Like, okay, God, I guess this is an opportunity where you, <laughs> where you want me to share the gospel. I hope it goes okay on Sunday morning. So, uh, um, so needless to say, I talked to him, and, and you know, he had a very, very you know, a strong background in this, but doesn't go to church, and his wife makes him go, and the kids, she wanted to try to send him to Christian school. He didn't like that and all this. So we began to talk, and you know, he didn't come to Christ, and we didn't pray to receive Christ right there in the aisle, and I didn't baptize him in the, in the bathroom with a little water on top. You know, there was, no, there was no excitement like that. But it was one of those things where I had to make a choice. Did I want to basically be left alone, or did I want to basically utilize this time to a person who it's just another opportunity, another seed? God is the one who changes people's hearts. God transforms lives. But he asks, asks us, do you want to be part of the process? Do you want to join in? Do you want to help out? You know, it's like those of us who have little, you know, younger boys, and you're working around the yard, and like, oh, Dad, can I help you this? And you're like, okay, what, we have a plastic lawnmower around here somewhere. Okay, you take the plastic lawnmower, and you go over here, and I'll with the, and then they, at the end, they feel like they helped Daddy mow the yard, right? But that's our evangelism. That's how God uses us to share the gospel. He's the one who's going to transform the hearts. He's the one who's going to really mow the yard. But it allows us to get out there and have a small piece of that. So uh, one of the neat things is there's two more verses that follow the ones that we read today that give us a larger picture. So let, I'd like to read those now. This is Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. How far? By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, another characteristic we see of a church, and what does it look like, is it's people who endure through difficulty. He said in here, make my joy compete by being like-minded, by having the same love, being one. When we endure through difficulty, we have a church that what? Journeys with us. God didn't create us to do this life solo. We're not alone. So let me tell you what journey with us. Let me give you another example from my own experience here at Hope. So um, I, Phyllis and I are very excited about all these upcoming births. Um, you know, we have many children of our own. Um, but there was a time where, actually throughout our church, you can imagine, there's been baby showers and baby showers and baby showers for, you know, since the beginning of the church. Um, but there was a period of time where Phyllis and I were going through some very significant infertility issues. And, um, and, and some of you were aware of that, some of you weren't. Um, but it was very hard for us, as you can imagine, uh, month over month and year over year, experiencing uh, loss and desire. But So what would happen is, this idea of enduring through difficulty is there were some couples in the church who were familiar with that. So when a baby shower would come up, um, that would be really hard for us to be excited for them um, because of the desire we had for ourselves. That wasn't happening. Um, so those couples would oftentimes come alongside us after the baby shower and just um, either talk to us or pray with us, knowing the challenges that we had in that area. And so when you talk about enduring through difficulty, it's people who know what's hard for you and come alongside you and comfort you through those times. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 1 that we receive comfort from him in order to be able to extend that to others. So, you know, it's not just about, you know, the, 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 the you know, silent auction bidding, but it's about those hard times as well. There's been other hard times uh, Phyllis and I have gone through, and many of you have supported us through that, whether it's job loss, we've had failed adoptions, we've had a lot of challenges in our lives, and it's really enduring through difficulty together. It's coming alongside in a way that's not just trite, 
but in a way that's really heartfelt at the end. So that's kind of the characteristics we laid out of a church in general. What are the behaviors of a church? What are the values that Jeff talked about last week? What I'd like to do now is say, when we want to describe hope to somebody else, when we put up the website, we actually have what's called a purpose statement. Why does God have the church in general, and why is our church here? And what I want to do is just walk you through those together. So Hope Community Church exists to love God by sharing the truth of the gospel, to grow in a strong community of faith, and impact our culture with the good news. So we want to unpack each of those right now. First one is loving God. Our purpose in loving God is worship. Mark 12, 30 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. We love God with everything that we are. When we love God first, the other purposes that are stated above flow out of loving Him. So why do we come together as a church here on a Sunday morning? Well, one of the reasons we come together is, as we saw earlier, is that we do this corporate worship. And I know that the worship team has shared, and I've even felt it myself, there's times where, as you look around, other people are really just engaged in this idea of per, you know, personal worship together with us as a group. It just inspires you to do the same thing. There's times you come in here and you're just like, oh, what a week. I just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's partly out of obligation, it's partly out of, you know, to be a good thing, but then you come out of this experience of corporate worship refreshed and focused back on God. And so we're just grateful for that. Um, connecting with God is probably the most important outcome that we look to facilitate here at our church. And most people who come here really feel that they've had a real and personal connection with God when they've come. The second one is, as I highlighted earlier, our, our purpose in sharing God's truth is evangelism. And we believe that truth matters, but we also believe that people matter too, as I talked about earlier. So it's not just sharing about with the guy next to you on the plane, it's sharing really with our heart's desire is where you work, where you live, and where you play. So God has put you into an apartment or a home, and by design to be around certain people, he's put you at a job where he has people in your life. And then obviously, you know, he's put you, has interests, hobbies, and, you know, sports teams and things like that. And all those things together. God's put you there. And those are the places where he wants you to just tell his story. So if somebody asks you a question, to be able to answer it. The next one is our purpose in growing is discipleship and fellowship. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more to see the day approaching. Now what's interesting is we talk about this discipleship and fellowship. Well, discipleship and fellowship are kind of Christianese words, right? They're ones you don't hear so much out in the workplace, or you hear on the sports teams, or you hear at the schools. So I thought it'd be helpful just to kind of say, use some terms that might be helpful to, for us to understand them. Let me start with discipleship. So discipleship really is about having people in your life who guide you. Okay? How many people have ever been on vacation and had a tour guide? Okay? And well, why have, why have we taken a tour guide, right? Because we have admit that we don't know everything. I know that's hard to believe for some of you, <laughs> and others of you, you know. And tour guides, what do we expect from them, right? That they know where we're going, and that they've been there before, and they can explain it to us in ways that make sense, that we can appreciate. So discipleship, having a discipleship-type relationship. Think about the best tour guides you've had, right? Not only have they been engaging, 
but they've also given you things that have been useful or interesting. Now, what's amazing is discipleship is having a, a tour guide for life, about life. That is, people in your life who have been there ahead of you and can sit down, and when you ask the question, look, you know, uh, how do I deal with an aging parent? You know, how do I deal with a teenager who's tuned me out? Uh, how do I deal with a colicky baby? How do I deal with a boss who's given me a bad review? You know, maybe they haven't been in those exact situations, but they've been in long enough in life to be able to give you guidance along the way. So discipleship is having those people who are further along in the journey, we talked about journeying together, who you can call up and who care deeply about you and are willing to spend some time answering those questions. Phyllis and I have been very blessed in the 26 years that we've been at this church to have a variety of different couples along the way who have been our guides. And we're indebted to them. And we've been happy that we've been able to be used in a couple of other people's lives to do likewise. But God always has people in your life on both sides. So he is always bringing people into your life who can provide that guidance. And then ironically, he's always providing somebody that you're not just taking it all in, but you're actually, there's people who he has behind you who are looking for the same thing from you. So take the time and examine your life and say, okay, who are those people who are discipling me and who are those people God has put in my life to be able to me be able to pour back into? Now, fellowship is different. Fellowship is not about fun and games and as much as I love fun and games, those of you who know me. It's about being around people who you want to be more like them as a result of being around them. People who are just passionate for the Lord. And you, when you're around them, you have a love for them. So many of us follow sports teams, and I'm not going to go down that analogy too far. But there's certain people like, you know, I have a big affinity for several sports teams. And when they are in a big game, I invite all my friends over. And we wear all of the gear. And we cheer very loudly. And we are all say, yeah, encourage one another. And fellowship has a similar rap to it, but even deeper. It's basically about being around people when you're around them your love for the Lord is increased. There's a fervency, there's a desire to love God more because of just how passionate they are about the Lord himself or herself. So we have a special opportunity. I, want, uh, I would have loved to introduce somebody. So far, I remember I haven't named anybody, um, which is by design, because I haven't had their permission without asking. But this, this person I've talked to, and he's actually going to be preaching here October 5th, and his name is Jim Ramo. And Jim and Judy Ramo have been very dear friends of Phyllis and I for many years, and they've been members of this church for many years. And Jim's just one of those people, if you're ever around him, his love for the Lord just spills out in everything he says and he does. And when you're around Jim, you just can't stop having a desire to love God more. Now, you may not feel like it that given day, but if your heart is soft and you're around people who love God, you naturally, when they leave your home, just have a different feeling of a desire towards the Lord in the end. That's fellowship. So discipleship is guidance, and fellowship is just this sense of fervency that I want to encourage us on. The last one here is impacting our culture for the cause of Christ. Our purpose for impacting our culture is ministry. It says in Acts 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now we want to be a strong community to our culture that is far away from God. As I talked about, two-thirds of the people aren't here today in this area, at any church. So when we talk about ministry, what I want to encourage us is, is it says in Ephesians 2.10 that we've been equipped so God, he saved us, and he equipped each of us for different acts of ministry, different opportunities to serve. And at our church, we, you know, again, our primary focus is to equip you where you work, where you live, and where you play, but we also provide opportunities as a group that we can all come together and serve. 
So we have several of those opportunities coming up that I want to highlight and kind of explain how it's going to go. So on October 10th through 12th, um, we have three opportunities. The first one is on Friday night, October 10th. It's called the fifth quarter. Now the fifth quarter, a little history on this. So we, we began to meet with the principals at the high school and one of the assistant principals there was also the athletic director. And we said, hey, what if we had like something after the game? Because the football game is here. And afterwards, many of the students come back and they're looking for something to do before they have to get in for their curfew. So the principal said, yeah, that'd be a great idea. Let's focus primarily on the freshmen and sophomores who don't have cars because the juniors and seniors usually go off and do something on their own. And so what we do, we actually tear everything down here. So we need people to help do that. We set up volleyball and then downstairs we set up ping pong tables. We have snacks. We have people I've, I've served with one of my friends over here as a bouncer at the front just to make sure everything's okay. When they leave, we make sure they get a card that talks about our Hope Student Ministries. And so there's different roles you can have. There's set up, there's tear down, there's just hanging out. Now, we, we don't necessarily preach at the kids. That's really not the goal. The goal is to provide them a place. Many of them have never been in a church before. Two-thirds of them probably have never been inside a church door. So they come in and they're like, oh, this is a church, huh? This seems not so foreign, seems somewhat safe. And so when they have an opportunity, when they have a life event that really hits them, they have a much more willingness to come in through our doors and be affected by the ministry here. So that's the fifth quarter. More of the details are in there. Please see Jeff or Andrew. Christ's Home for Children. Our church about seven or eight years ago had a desire to get involved with orphans and foster care. Uh, and we were very blessed that actually our church, the church that was here in this building before ours, was actually a church plant by Christ's Home Orphanage over in Warminster. And so we actually reconnected with them about seven, eight years ago, and we've gotten to have very good relationships with the leadership over there, and they allow us to come and be in the kids' lives. Kids' lives, house parents' lives, and the administration's lives. So what we do typically about once or twice a year, spring and fall, we have opportunities for all of us to go. We're having a fall festival, uh, very much like a kind of like a little carnival, mini carnival. So first of all, we would encourage every family to come just to have fun, kind of like our hayride. So come and have fun. So that Saturday afternoon, uh, it should be in your, in your FYI, I think it's like 1.30 to 4, come with your family. Usually soccer games are done by then. Set aside the date. And even if it is, even if you have a soccer game, make a choice that this is something that may be more important because you'll have 100 soccer games in your life. But these are opportunities for us to be with the house parents and encourage them to be with the kids and have fun with the kids. We'll probably have a moon bounce. We'll probably have different, place, different areas. So very much like a little mini VBS. And we as elders are just pleased as pie that many people get involved with VBS. So see my wife, Phyllis, and we'll have more details on that next week. But set aside the date. And then lastly, the pancake breakfast. This is a tradition we started well, probably four or five years ago where the Booster Club came to us and said, oh, you know, uh, we could really use some help with our pancake breakfast, people both in terms of getting ready, cooking, and cleaning up. Now, since that time, the Booster Club has got a little more organized and they have pretty, pretty good shape. But we also said, wouldn't it be great if we went as a church? Our whole church. So we actually move our morning service up by one hour. And so we finish up by around 10.30, quarter of 11. And then we all go down as a church. And it's something that we actually set aside the monies for. So it's all paid for. And it's our donation to the Booster Club. So while you're there, you know, they see this horde of 75 to 100 adults and all these people coming down. And most of them are very excited that we're there. A few of them are, oh my goodness, the church comes. I hope we have enough pancakes left at the end. But... Um, <laughs> But when you're there, intentionally go and sit down with another family from the high school and say why you're there. Well, well look, what did you, I'm part of this group, and we come down, and we want to support you guys, we want to pray for you guys. You don't have to be overly spiritual about it, but just introduce yourself. Intentionally sit with somebody outside of our church who's part of that community there, most likely has a student 
who's in one of the sports there as part of the booster club. That's the opportunity. So this weekend is just a great opportunity to, to just minister together as a community of faith. So those are some things that Dom had mentioned I wanted to highlight in the message today. So lastly, why do we do all this? Why live on purpose? Why be a church? Well, the first thing is because Christ brought us together. The thing that ties us together, that binds us together, is one word, and that's Jesus we talked earlier. It's the thing that we have in common, the thing that binds us. Back to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says, We are torn out of our own existence and set down in the midst of holy history of God on earth. There God dealt with us, and there he still deals with us, our needs and our sins and judgment and grace. So he put us together because of Christ. The second reason he put us together is that we need one another. We need to serve one another. You, it says Galatians 5.13, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but not to use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, what? To serve one another humbly. We're wired to serve one another. Another quote from Bonhoeffer on this one. The person who loves the dream of, their dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create it. So just to kind of wrap it up here, our community is based upon love and unity. We saw some of the characteristics here of what our church looks like. We looked at our purpose statement, and we answered the question, why do we live here on purpose? So again, now, if somebody says the word church to you, what are some of the things that are going to come to mind? I hope it's not just love and unity, but this idea of caring for one another, the idea of enduring together, the idea of fellowship and guidance and things like that. It says in Psalm 133.1 how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Let's pray. So God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to look at your word and understand what you've designed for the church. We thank you for the people here at this church and the love that they have for each other. Lord, keep us unified. Um, help us to focus on you and what you've done for us and help that be the driver for our love for you and our service for one another. In your name, amen.